Hi, and thanks for listening to Here and Now Anytime. We've got new episodes every weekday afternoon, so make sure you don't miss anything by following and subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. Just look for Here and Now Anytime. And if you've already subscribed, tell a friend about us. Now here's the show. There is no, again, no indication of aliens or extraterrestrial activity with these recent takedowns. There you have it. The White House has clarified it wasn't aliens, but we still have some questions about those flying objects the military shot down. It's Monday, February 13th, and this is Here and Now Anytime from NPR and WBUR Boston. I'm Chris Bentley. Today on the show, what's behind that barrage of balloons and other unidentified objects after the government says it shot down a fourth one over Michigan yesterday? And... The new docuseries, Stolen Youth, goes inside the Sarah Lawrence cult. But first, we're going to check in on East Palestine, Ohio, where some residents still haven't returned to their homes, 10 days after a train carrying vinyl chloride and other chemicals derailed and exploded. Officials have said people can come back to their homes, but authorities are also reporting the discovery of more potentially dangerous chemicals in the spill, so a lot of people doubt the safety of their air and water. No one died in the accident, but some are calling it a wake-up call about the potential for freight rail derailments in other communities. Julie Grant is with the Allegheny Front in Pittsburgh, just across the state border from where the train derailed. She spoke today to Deepa Fernandez. So we've heard about more chemicals the derailed train was carrying that are present in this spill. What are you learning? Yeah, so of the roughly 150 train cars that derailed, about 20 were listed as carrying hazardous materials. The U.S. EPA sent a letter to the railroad company Norfolk Southern documenting contaminants that could have been released into the environment, including three that had not previously been reported. Last week, we heard about butyl acrylate and especially vinyl chloride. That's the one that led to the mandatory evacuation. And now the EPA says it's found... Ethyl hexyl acrylate, that's a carcinogen that can cause burning on the skin and in the eyes, coughing and shortness of breath. And it's found isobutylene, which can make people dizzy and drowsy. EPA said they found chemicals in nearby creeks and streams and also observed it entering storm drains. Mm. I mean, I imagine people are really concerned about these. What are officials saying? Well, officials have been saying that the air is safe. EPA said it continued to monitor, and since the fire went out last week, it had not detected any levels of concern in the community that can be attributed to the incident. Residents, as you mentioned, got the announcement late last week that they could return home, although many were still worried. More than 400 have requested indoor air monitoring at their homes. And at last count over the weekend, about half of those had been completed. EPA said it found no indoor detections of chemicals of concern. Okay. You know, there's also concern downstream on the Ohio River from this derailment. Some of the water authorities in West Virginia are concerned about chemicals getting into water sources. What's the latest there? Yeah, well, communities along the Ohio River have a water monitoring system, and last week they were told to increase the frequency of that testing. One city, the city of Weirton, detected butyl acrylate in the river, but it was able to, quote, manipulate the water sources, and the chemical did not affect 
drinking water sent to residents. It, it is kind of unclear if that contamination came from this derailment. And then yesterday, the utility West Virginia American Water said that, well, there hasn't been any change in the water it takes in from the Ohio River. It It's going to install a secondary water intake just in case there's a need to switch to an alternate water source. All right. Thank you, Julie. And we should note that the EPA um, is considering whether the rail carrier at Norfolk Southern may be held liable for the spill. Julie Grant is the Allegheny Front's uh, representative managing editor. Thank you for your time. You're welcome. After the break, Deepak gets the latest on the Battle of the Balloons from NPR's Greg Myrie. Stick around. U.S. Air Force doesn't often shoot down aircraft over North America, but fighter jets have done it four times this month. One was a Chinese spy balloon, but the Pentagon hasn't yet provided details on the other three airborne objects shot down since Friday. For more on this, we're joined by NPR national security correspondent Greg Myrie in Washington. Hey, Greg. Hi there, Deepa. So since these three most recent episodes came in rapid succession, Greg, can you briefly remind us where they took place? Right. The most recent one was just yesterday. A U.S. fighter jet shot down a small object over Lake Huron off the eastern shores of Michigan. Then a day earlier on Saturday, an Air Force plane took down an aircraft in western Canada, and this was coordinated with Canada, which is working to recover what it calls a cylindrical object. And the day before that, on Friday, the U.S. fired a missile to bring down an aircraft just off the North Sea's northeast coast of Alaska. It landed on ice off the coast, and the extreme weather conditions there have so far kept the military from reaching it. Hmm. Now, when the military says, calls them aircraft, what exactly is that? Is that planes or balloons or, I don't know, I'm even thinking UFOs, unidentified flying objects? What, what do you know? Well, very little at this point. Air Force General Glenn Van Herc, he's the NORAD commander, the the guy who's responsible for North American airspace, said one of the challenges is that the U.S. fighter fighter planes travel extremely fast and they keep streaking by these slow-moving objects. Uh, Here's how he described it. What we're seeing is very, very small objects. I'm not going to go into detail about shapes or anything like that. It's a very, very slow object in the space, if you will, going at the speed of the wind, essentially. So that phrasing he used here, going at the speed of the wind, it sort of suggests he's talking about a balloon. But he he declined to say that outright. He said this is still being called an airborne object for now, or all, all of these cases. And General Van Herc and, and other U.S. officials say these aircraft did share some similarities. They were much smaller than the China spy balloon. Uh, none of these had a crew on board. No evidence they were involved in espionage, and they didn't appear to to pose an imminent threat. But they were shot down out of an abundance of caution. Hmm. Okay. You know, we do know, Greg, that over the years, U.S. Navy pilots have documented dozens of of mysterious objects passing through restricted military airspace. And, And there's this one report from U.S. intelligence community in 2021 of 144 such cases. So I'm wondering, are we currently seeing a spike in mystery aircrafts in U.S. airspace? 
Well, you know, that's a great question. Um, possibly, but it also just looks like um, that the, the, the military is adjusting its radars. Radars have a filtering system, and, and the U.S. has focused more on risks like incoming missiles or jet fighters. But now those filters have been recalibrated, the Pentagon has said this, to look for slower moving objects and, and to scan the skies at higher altitudes. Melissa Dalton is an assistant secretary of defense. We have been more closely scrutinizing our airspace at these altitudes, enhancing our radar, um, which may at least partly explain the increase in the objects detected. And, and so as we learn more about these objects that have been shot down in the past few few days, the U.S. may have to decide whether it wants to track every small, slow-moving object um, and scramble the Air Force jets whenever there's a mysterious blip on the radar. You know, I'm wondering the, the discovery of the Chinese spy balloon earlier this month, which was shot down off the coast of South Carolina. Any more information on how that investigation is going? Well, some parts uh, that landed on the surface uh, have been recovered and sent to an FBI lab. Now, U.S. officials believe that the balloon's payload with the, the valuable technical equipment is intact at the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean in about 50 feet of water. Um, the hope is this will be recovered and it could yield a very detailed understanding of what the Chinese were up to. Okay. Greg, we only have a few seconds left, but I wonder if you can just put a little broader context here because, you know, we no rival countries spy on each other, and that includes the United States, right? Oh, absolutely. The U.S. and China have two of the largest and most sophisticated spying programs in the world. Uh, they spy on each other constantly. Um, and, and a lot of U.S. national security officials say that the spy balloon may not be the most important uh, Chinese spy operation. In fact, it's not. But they okay. do see it as an important wake-up call because, because it has put the focus on Chinese spying. NPR's Greg Murray. Thank you. My pleasure. Coming up, Robin Young speaks with the filmmaker behind a new docu-series on the Sarah Lawrence cult and one woman who escaped it. That's after the break. Hulu just premiered a stunning documentary about Larry Ray, the 63-year-old who was sentenced last month to 60 years in prison for brainwashing, abusing, forcing into manual labor, and sex trafficking a group of students from prestigious Sarah Lawrence College. It started when Ray crashed on his daughter's couch in an on-campus apartment after a prison stay, continued in a New York apartment, how damaging was the cult? Well, a warning, very. And we see that on cell phone videos Ray had the students record. Felicia Rosario's two siblings were in the cult. She had a full ride at Harvard and had just started her residency in psychiatry in L.A. When Larry Ray convinced her to move in with them because the bad guys who conspired to send him to prison were now trying to kill her. Again, this scene is very difficult to listen to. Her beautiful black hair is matted. She's gaunt, terrified. First, you hear Ray's voice. You said you're terrified. Why are you terrified? Because I'm afraid because the people in California, they told me that if I didn't do what they wanted me to do, they were going to send people to kill me. And that the people that work with my parents... We're going to send people to kill me. 
There were no bad guys. Her parents, immigrants from the Dominican Republic, would eventually sell their home to give their children the money that Ray demanded. The film is Stolen Youth, Inside the Cult at Sarah Lawrence. Director Zach Heinzerling joins us. Zach, welcome. Thank you for having me. And Felicia Rosario, now a former cult member. And Felicia, this is very emotional for us to hear. How are you? Um, also very emotional. Yeah. Yeah. Deep breath. And happy to be here. Yeah. Well, you want to get the word out, so let's do that. Zach, Larry Ray did have powerful friends. Bernie Carrick, the New York police commissioner. But we also know he just served time for stock fraud. Who was this guy? You know, he was a master manipulator, someone who could mix truth with lies uh, in an effort to create, you know, an image of himself that was impressive. Certainly to uh, college students, you know, him offering worldly advice, being a father figure, a highly trained narcissist who had a delusional sickness and need for self-aggrandizement. Yeah. His daughter Talia devoted to him and his story that bad guys had done him wrong. That's why he'd ended up in prison. Uh, The group is getting more and more insular. You talk to their friends at school. They felt that something was wrong. And we see it spiraling. He keeps them up all night, accuses them of breaking his things. He convinces them he's their victim. Here's a scene. Uh, This is Felicia's younger brother, Santos. It starts in the present day. He's telling you, Zach, about these late-night sessions. Ray trying to get Santos to say he saw those bad guys who put Ray in prison. We would stay up in these interrogations until, like, three, four o'clock in the morning. It's like your willpower is gone. I would just make something up. Tell me something worthwhile after all these hours. Gonzalez, Gonzalez. Who's Gonzalez? The other cop in the kitchen that- uh, What did he look like? He was uh, uh, short. Uh, no, no, he, no, he was, he was pale. He was the, the pale one. This whole convoluted conspiracy started taking form. I start to write memories. That's Santos, who brought in his sister, Yelitsa. And then Felicia, you come to visit, end up calling Larry Ray your husband. You share Larry's bed with Izzy. You know, in one scene, your beloved brother screams at you that he's going to slap himself every time you scream, but you can't stop. So you're both beating yourself up while Larry Ray watches. I'm, I'm so sorry to even take you back to this, mm. but can you explain to us What was going on then? So Larry is excellent at what he does. You know, I might have said that I had, quote, fallen in love with him, but that wasn't love. It was really con at first sight. Like, he asked my siblings questions about me, and then he wormed his way into my mind and took over. And he implanted these total lies in telling me that, you know, my sister was trying to kill me, my parents were plotting to kill me and to kill him. It just went on and on. I'm sorry, this is really, it's really hard to talk about because it's just so much. He really, he, I'm still trying to understand what he did and how he did it because the depth and breadth of the lies is unimaginable. And I ended up regressing. Um, I became very childlike for a lot of the years. 
my mind just had to escape and I had to protect myself and that was the only way that I knew how. Mm. One by one, members start to leave until when Larry is arrested because some students back at the school have contacted New York Magazine and said there's something going on. You, Felicia, and Izzy are the only ones Mm -hmm. left. Until what? Things got so much worse after everyone left. Um, His abuse escalated in every way, physically, emotionally, psychologically. And especially after the article came out, that was really the first glimpse at maybe being able to leave because he made me believe that no one would believe me. Mm. And and it happened. Like, I watched him tell people, you know, like, I would try to say something and then he would talk over me and then the person would just ignore what I said. And so I felt completely trapped. There was no way out for me. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. you know, Felicia, we're going to be speaking with cult deprogrammer Stephen Hassan because I thought oh, yes. of him throughout this film. And then there's a scene in your apartment. This is when you're trying to recover. And I saw a copy of his book. Combating Cult Mind Control. Did you get help from him? <laughs> I met him maybe a few weeks ago. I, I, but I actually had help from an organization in New York called Sanctuary for Families. And it was actually my therapist there who recommended the book. Huh. It took me like six months to pick it up <laughs> and finally start reading it. But it was, it was incredibly uh, powerful and very helpful. Well, we're going to be talking to him tomorrow, in fact, you know, more about how this happens. But in this scene, you're talking to Zach. Again, this is in your recovery. And mm-hmm. it's about something you think happened when you were a child and you had a dress and you wanted to show your dad. And then you stop yourself and you say you're having Larry brain. Let's listen. This whole drama about me showing my dad the dress may have happened or may not have happened. Larry was using my own memories, but then he twisted it and then he turned it into whatever, whatever was going to suit him. You're a doctor. Mm -hmm. I mean, you fight to break away from Mm -hmm. your own brain, the Larry brain, with that Mm -hmm. voice in your head. What did this man take from you? Um, So it's true, I am a doctor. But before being a doctor, I'm a person. I'm a human being. Um, And, you know, I'm a... (sighs) It's hard to listen to that um, right now, but to that clip. um, So just, I'm sorry, I just need a second. I'm sorry. Um, It was a struggle for so long. It was years. He started that story in 2011. That had become part of my self-narrative. So it was very difficult to get to that point. But it was incredibly freeing and it was very empowering to have that realization. To really start to distinguish myself from what Larry had been saying about me. Yeah. And your siblings. We heard it at the beginning of the segment. But knowing that your siblings were there watching this, you, you are frozen. You can't even step forward to protect the siblings that you love. 
No. And, you know, ironically, I think that me falling apart was actually more protective. Larry was trying to groom me. And if he had been able to have me as an example, then they might have been caught in his web for way longer. Yeah. That's an amazing mm-hmm. thought. And, it's, and this happens mostly because of how deranged Larry was. So your sacrifice, mm-hmm. a breakdown, m- yeah. might have been what saved your siblings. Felicia, uh, do you think this could happen to anybody? Absolutely. I watched Larry manipulate and control adults. Anyone he met, if you if he decided that you were useful to him, he was going to win you over and get you to do what he wanted. So it could absolutely happen to anyone. And we have to be careful now. Felicia Rosario lured into Larry Ray's cult, uh, continuing to heal. She's part of the film from director Zach Heinzerling. Uh, it's on Hulu. We'll hook you up at herenow.org. It's called Stolen Youth. Zach Felicia, thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you. This show comes from the team behind Here and Now from NPR and WBUR Boston. You can find more stories at hereandnow.org. Today, we've got a closer look at Medicare and Social Security after President Biden called attention to some Republican plans for cuts to the social safety net. And the history and continuing culinary debate over St. Louis-style pizza and its distinctive cheese. Provel is the best. Provel is is. the world's most disgusting cheese. No, it's not. I seriously, we could fight right now. Hereandnow.org for that one. Today's stories were produced by James Mastro Marino, Thomas Daniellian, and Karen Miller Medson. Our editors are Todd Munt, Julia Corcoran, Peter O'Dowd, and Jill Ryan. Technical direction from Max Liebman and Mike Moschetto. Theme music by Max, Mike, and me. Our digital producer is Allison Hagen. And the executive producer of Here and Now is Carlene Watson. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.